Today's episode is a super cool chat with Andre and Travis about a brand new spearfishing film of their creation, A Journey Beneath. Edited by Samuel Rutherford, this thing has got, oh, it's just got magical soundtrack. It's jaw-dropping visuals. Uh, I even narrate a bit of it, so I really enjoyed today's chat. But if you're new here, my name is Isaac, aka Shrek. I'm the host of the New Sphere Podcast. It's interviews with spearfishing legends from all over the place. We just get frothing mad on this lifestyle of spearfishing, and I hope you do too. If you're looking for actionable information and just cool stuff to keep the stoke alive, even if you're having a dry spell, welcome to the Noob Spear Podcast. Today I've got a couple of quick shout-outs before we get into talking about A Journey Beneath. Spiro Kids New Zealand. Now, if you like just frothing groms, sharing recipes, gaiataku artwork, and spearing around all parts of New Zealand, then check it out. Spear Kids New Zealand on Facebook. There's 500 people on there. Uh, I've had them on the show before with their dad, Don, and at the moment uh, they are getting ready to um, auction off some of their artwork, their gaiataku artwork, which is basically uh, fish prints. And um, these guys are trying to raise money so that they can go up to the New Zealand spearfishing champs and compete there. And uh, I'd really like to send them off. So check that out, Spiro Kids New Zealand on Facebook. Follow along on their journey and uh, check out that auction when it goes live. Give those guys some support. Also, 99 Spiro Recipes is absolutely ticking along. I've got um, some awesome recipes. A couple of recent ones that have just come in is cream mustard drunken scallops. I've got... Lobster spanner copita, garlic butter pasta in a hurry. There's a whole bunch of recipes that are just pouring in. It's exciting as hell. I've got more than 70 recipes so far, but there's still time to get your submission in. August 30 is the official closure of the submissions for 99 Spirit Recipes. I'd love it if you got it in there. You've only got a couple of weeks to go, so please get your recipes in there. It's uh, it's looking like a super exciting project. Um, crowdsourced recipes from the new Spiro spearfishing community, just actionable meals for the everyday diver. That thing's going to be cool. Also, 99 tips to get better at spearfishing, soft covers. I've just had a whole pallet of these things arrive. Um, they will be making sure, well, if you go down to your local spearfishing shop, I hope they're on the front, front counter there. If they're not, tell them about it. 99 tips to get better at spearfishing. Every good spearfishing retailer should have them. It's actionable information to improve your spearfishing. Also, quick shout out to a young Melbourne frother, Travis. He's just had his eighth operation, had a skin graft in his mouth, and he can't talk for a couple of weeks. He's a massive fan of the show, apparently, and he's been listening for a while. Um, just want to encourage you, Trav, you'll be back out there spearing in, in no time, mate. His old man sent me a photo with him with a uh, southern rock lobster, and uh, you can just tell that this kid frosts on experience. So shout out to you, Trav. All right, hey, let's get into today's chat. I really want you to check out um, this 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 spearfishing film. We've um, we've been working on this project for a while together and going backwards and forwards. These guys are super cool, and this film's awesome. I cannot encourage it enough. I think it's going to be about ten bucks. So uh, if you come to today's show notes, noobspearer.com forward slash ajb. It's a journey beneath because that's what it's called. Um, I'll have all of the, I'll have the trailer linked up, the film linked up, and these guys' socials as well. Check it out. I cannot encourage it enough. I love seeing these projects come through the spearing world, and this film's cool. So check it out. Here we go. We're going to get into today's episode right now. 
Adreno stock all the equipment noobers need for freediving and spearfishing. The Adreno team will help advise you about equipment, diving, trips, dive locations. They can help you with a whole bunch of your spearfishing issues um, and they cater for spearos and aspiring spearos of all levels of experience. You can visit them in store, Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth and Sydney and they get a new store on the way. Chat to one of their friendly team members. Don't forget to take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code. You can save $20 on every purchase over 200 That's right. Use the code NoobSpiro to save $20 on every purchase over 200 online at adreno.com.au or in store at one of their mega stores. Recently, I brought some new equipment online at today's show sponsor, Neptonics.com, and I was super impressed by the quality of the packaging and the before and after sales support. These guys don't muck around. They make awesome, tough, dependable equipment, and their service matches the quality of the equipment they sell. Visit Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% on anything and everything store-wide. If you're shopping in the USA and you spend more than $99, you get free shipping at Neptonics.com. All right, cool, guys. Welcome back to the Noob Spirit Podcast. I'm joined by Andre and Travis, two former guests on the uh, Noob Spirit Podcast. A long time ago, though, gents. It's bloody awesome to see your smiling faces and to uh, to get to catch up with you. Oh, thanks for having us again, mate. Stop. Yeah, thanks, Shrek. Good to see you, mate. Now, one of the cool things about listening to both your interviews, so if people want to go back, it's Andre Redekuda and Travis Corkin. If you go back and you listen to their interviews, they both told the same story about a blackout that Trav had and Andre was the one that sort of pulled him up. And um, it, it's a phenomenal story and this, we're going to talk about a documentary that we made. Uh, well, well I've, I've partially narrated for these fellas, but it was awesome being able to put those stories together and sort of really um, tell that tell that story. But Jeepers, boys, um, you've, you've 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 shared some rough times together. <laughs> yeah, uh, only one one rough time, I guess. Yeah, there's been plenty of good ones. There's probably been a few rough ones we don't remember at the end of the night. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that time in Fiji was. Uh, yeah, it shook us up a little bit. Yeah, but but Jeepers, like a mate that saves you, like that's you, you get the next level mate award, I think, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Andre, he's he's definitely a waterman, and he's always been someone who's he's born in, and he's meant to be in the water. You know, like it wasn't just me he rescued that day. There was another four other people on separate occasions, but you know, um, yeah, he's just a waterman. I was stoked to be there, Travi, the sea monkey waterman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andre, by day you're working like in film and all sorts of different fun projects with Terra Australis. Just give the listeners a little bit of a quick overview of what it is you do from day to day because, mate, it looks like a phenomenal lifestyle, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, for sure. No, I feel very lucky. Um, I've gone down the road of videography probably over the last uh, 10 years and just, yeah, climbing the ladder and learning more and more and it's becoming my um, – it's my job now, really, and we've just teamed up with Disney, and we're doing um, six one-hour um, episode series with uh, on shipwrecks. So that's just crazy. We don't even can't even understand it, really. We're so lucky. I saw the ad for that the other day. That looks insane, man. If people aren't familiar with Terra Australis, I'd really encourage you to go to YouTube and check out some of their their video. It's next level production quality. Like uh, a couple of memorable ones for me is when you guys tested out a lot of the um, the shark deterrence and things like that. You guys really yep. sort of 
went pretty deep. Like in terms of like not many other people have tested out the variety of devices that you guys did and, and you tried your best to really give a good picture of how effective these devices are. Yeah, definitely because there's um, it's a shame because sometimes on the market guys are just taking advantage of all the shark sort of hype and it, I don't know, you can't just throw things out there and say this is going to do that. I, I, even some of the shields that actually work with like the, the electrical ones, um, they actually do deter the sharks from what I've seen and I haven't used them on big great whites but I've seen it with a fair few other sharks and I still wouldn't say like here you go, this will save your life but I definitely recommend ones and others and they've um, really helped me with even spearfishing, trying to get my fish in and yeah, some work really well. This isn't an advertisement for Shark Shield, but they came out pretty good after watching that. And they're an Australian-made thing. I think maybe the technology came from South Africa. Is that right? <laughs> I'm not sure where it came from, but, yeah, they did a pretty good job, Shark Shield. I, I guess the problem is like a lot of sharks, they're ambush predators. Like, And I think I was reading a stat the other day. It said like 70% of shark attacks, like the victim actually never knew that there was a shark um, after them. They didn't see them. They weren't aware of them at all. And I guess like if a shark's rocketing at you, like for in dirty viz and like they're moving that five meter sort of deterrent zone. That's not that's that's like not even a fraction of a second of a shark's booting. Like if they're coming at you to hit you. Well, I've seen I've seen some pretty good stuff um, with uh, sharks coming full flight like great whites and then turning at the last second on a dime. Like sharks are pretty amazing in maneuverability in the water. And I've always thought if they come in in hot stick, nothing's going to stop them. But I've seen like huge great whites just coming in full steam and just do a one a ninety degree turn on a dime like it's awesome. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me a lot of the shark attacks. You don't really see them. Of um, they can be pretty sneaky. Yeah, awesome. And so it's, it's cool to have you back on the show. Anyway, Andre, we're also joined by Travis Cork, and he last time I chatted with Trav, he was the Neptonics rep for Australia. Neptonics now sponsor the podcast. It's awesome to have them aboard because they make shit hot gear, Trav, don't they? Oh, yeah, like all their stuff is absolute top quality and especially all the gun building components. You know, if you want to build a big gun, it's going to take a lot of punch and power that you wouldn't look anywhere, any further than Neptonics. Now, you've had a pretty long dry spell, Trav, because you've made that sacrifice that a lot of us do when we have the young kids. Like you, you, your son's uh, grown up pretty fast, but you've spent a fair bit of time out of water. But where are you based now? And, um, and if you do get out diving, where are you diving? Yeah, so a pretty good opportunity come up for me work-wise. Um, I'm a floor more toiler um, tradesman. So about four years ago, an opportunity come up for me in, in Newcastle. Um, I've lived in Newcastle uh, a few times before that, um, so I knew the place pretty well. And so, yeah, we, we ended up packing up. Um, I was living at Fredericton there when I was um, living next door to Peter Kesby. Yeah, so we, we took the opportunity, went down to Newcastle, and we really haven't looked back. But obviously when um, I got down to Newcastle, my life, you know, it changed and um, my partner fell pregnant. And, um, I mean, it's been nothing but awesome, um, like having him as a young fella and teaching me everything I know. And he's sort of, he's three and a half years old now, so <laughs> I can't wait to get him in the water and, and start, you know, you know, sharing those memories that I had as a young fella. I have been, I've had been in the water a few times, you know. It's probably been about 18 months now since I've been diving and I wouldn't go anywhere but, back home to Port Macquarie where it all started. <laughs> awesome, mate. Yeah, I remember you guys sharing your your adventures. Like, Trav, I think you were watching Andre um, just come out of the middle of this headland um, with a couple of jewies or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that day so vividly. I was like, who is this caveman? <laughs> <laughs> Jumped in my jeans. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, that night, Andre come over for a barbecue, and and that's you know how the story started, really. Yeah, well, yeah. and I guess that's where this documentary starts. So, it's uh, it's what what what's it, it's called a journey beneath. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So, it was um, we um, captured all this footage, and it wasn't we didn't capture the footage to make a DVD. Like Andre was so good with his all his camera work and. Like if we were ever travelling, Andre always had his camera in his left hand. You know, like every <laughs> everywhere we went. You know, even when we were out partying, like some of the footage that we got. You know, <laughs> we had to wake up and delete it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there was too much evidence. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Blackmail you with that stuff. That's <laughs> yeah. I still don't know where some of that footage has gone to. <laughs> and I was bloody, I was flattered because I remember. You you pitched me. You said, "Hey, we're doing this spearfishing uh, documentary or this 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 video, and really want you to narrate bits and pieces of it." I was like, I was kind of blown away. Um, oh, awesome! And I was real honoured to, to to sort of be able to share some of the story with you. Like, I remember watching the first some of the rough cuts, and it was like the themes of obviously friendship come through really strong, but also like amazing destinations, phenomenal fish. Like, I mean, you guys are both talented. Spiros in your own right, both both here and and, but it's not really it's not an ego journey. It's not a like a big fish trophy thing. It's like it's all these sort of themes into one, coupled with a really wicked soundtrack. Like you guys really spend a lot of time and energy searching for really cool songs. And you know, like one of my favourite scenes I've ever seen in a spearfishing video is in this film. It's it's the kelp forest and uh, off California there. Oh yeah, and the the soundtrack and the visuals are just amazing. You know. Like some of the things you guys got to see were just like it's 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 a, every Spiro's sort of wet dream, I think. Like some of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we count ourselves very lucky, you know. And um, it was just it was just a journey that we all went on together, and um, the people that we met along the way. Um, mm. And then over the years, we built the confidence, and you know that led us into bigger species, and um, that led us back to our hometown of Port Macquarie, where it all began. Chasing the fish of my life, you know, and um, it was great to share it with Andre. So Sam was one of the editing geniuses or the main editing genius behind this film. He was unfortunately unable to join us tonight. So massive shout out to Sam because I think he's done a really good job weaving this sort of story together. Yeah, Sam's put a lot of sweat and tears into it for sure. It's been, we just talked about it at one stage and met up with him and he's doing some awesome, his work he does is beautiful and yeah, he's, he, he nailed it. He's done a really good job. All right. So like like we sort of shared, like you guys obviously, you know, your friendship started when you guys were teenagers, like Young Bucks, Port Macquarie, <laughs> smashing jewies on headlands down in uh, down New South Wales there. Like an enviable start for a lot of Spiros, but I know it's not real glamorous spearing sometimes. It's it's dirty viz, it's surf, and, it's, and, and, and there's those days where there's just no fish. Oh, yeah. So this DVD – doesn't really tell that part of the story. <laughs> we're going to we're going to New Caledonia. Tell me about New Caledonia, Spirit. Oh yeah, New Cal was awesome. So that was yeah, with Simon and Brandon as well. You couldn't make it, could you, Trav? No, I couldn't make it on that trip. No. Yeah, but um, we went out to this remote island. It was like Jurassic Park. I was waiting for pterodactyls to fly out off the thing, really. But, yeah, beautiful visibility on an amazing boat with a bunch of really, yeah, great guys. 
and yeah, managed to yeah find some amazing fish as well. Brandon Whalers is a is a, is a, is an odd character. He's quite an eccentric <laughs> man, isn't he? Like he's always like in some obscure part of the world chasing fish. Like every now and then a, a post pops up on social media from him, but he flies under the radar a lot of the time. But he seems <laughs> just one of those out there kind of dudes. What's he like in real life? Brandon's epic, eh? He's got the epic energy. He's always like, let's go, let's go, sort of nonstop. He's, um, yeah, pretty wild, but he's just a freak in the water. Like, he's cra- he's phenomenal. Like, he's free diving and his hunting skills and just the way he moves through the water, he's, yeah, he's a good diver. Yeah, I remember the first time we met him um, over in Bali and we met up with these guys and it was before social media was a big thing. That, that trip was back in 2009 and, um they were talking to us. We, we sat down for dinner with them that night and they were talking to us about these great whites and I just thought they were just full of it, you know. I just thought it, that these guys aren't uh, t- telling the truth. And anyway, so Brandon went back, he got his camera out and he was showing me um, hanging on to the dorsal fin of a 10-foot great white. <laughs> and I was like, I think these guys know what they're up to. Yeah. yeah. Mate, he's loose. Like, I see some of the fish he shoots. Like, he... He shoots some phenomenal fish, but he doesn't seem to be just be about that either, though. So there's a bit of depth to him, but he seems to be just an oddball, like a lot of sparrows seem to be. And uh, you guys encountered a few of them on this this trip, by the looks of it. Oh, a few oddballs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that like the thing in sparrow? Like we're all just a bit odd. <laughs> I yeah, think so. pretty that's, much. Yeah. Depends how deep you dive. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, that's another story I want to get into one day on a podcast is talking about the deep divers. Like, it that's does, why Brando's loose. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. It does do something to you. Like, there's no, there's no denying it. <laughs> no, but everything we've got in common is that we love, you know, traveling, adventure, the ocean, like diving, surfing. So we you throw us all in that same, that perfect environment for all that combination, and we're just buzzing. We're all buzzing. Isn't it great to get away from? you know, any sort of media, TV, mobile phones and just oh, just, yeah. just just put your foot face in the water and, you know, you're, with, you're surrounded by mates, just good people that are looking, they're, they're watching your back and you're looking down and you, you're looking at the fish of a lifetime. Like you're, <laughs> this whole film is all about that as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I feel like putting the goggles on and going for a swim right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get some VR going. Yeah, need to come back home, mate. <laughs> uh, keen, mate, keen. <laughs> so another destination was was Panama, Mexico. Um, you guys sort of got around there with with uh, with Pete Coriel. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, again, it's another part of the film that was introduced with, like, really clever um, music and um, – like there was a bit of story, a visual storytelling in there. Like in terms of like the boats that you use and the like. There's a, the culture there is pretty colourful and vibrant, and it tells a story all of its own. But there's some, there was some real cool visuals in there that I liked. Yeah, like the other side of the planet. Hey, Trav, I remember getting there. We had to like we couldn't speak Spanish or nothing. <laughs> we yeah. Like shot in the middle of the night. I had nowhere to stay. We stayed at some real dingy hotel, hotel. and then. Yeah. We, Went down to this mangrove like creek or something the next morning, jumped on that, you know, small boat and flew us out to this little island. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah I think we got lucky on that trip because a few years earlier we uh, met Sean uh, from California and um, and none of us knew what we were getting ourselves into when we went to Panama, Mexico with the language barrier. But when we landed, um, Sean could speak um, Spanish quite fluently. So 
we got quite lucky and I, I don't know how the trip would have went if we didn't. <laughs> All you really need to learn is uh, una cerveza por favor and that's uh, can I have a beer please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that one before. Funny that going on. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you there was. It looked like that sort of trip. Um, so what was the island like you guys? Are you allowed to tell or is it a secret squirrels island? No, we didn't. Uh-huh. Um, no, it was fine. We were actually planning to go to ha- um, what was that island off Hannibal Bank? Andre mm, we went sure. to stay at. Well, we went to go there and camp, but it was very, very late in the season, so they had the monsoon rains come through. Mm. Anyway, we um, um, the whole island it floods that time of year, so we weren't able to camp there. So we stayed at a place called Mora Negrito, which is on the um, Panamanian coast there. And then, but staying there was a mission to get out to Hannibal Bank. Mm. Um, I think remember, like it was nearly almost three hours drive out there. Um, like going flat strap, and that's when we ran into those killer whales. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was in the middle of nowhere. The island was pretty cool. Um, yeah, just sort of like a couple of local guys there, and then Pete Coriel showing us around, and he was he was a pretty cool guy. He's uh, yeah, full of energy again, and another one of those oddballs, just like us, us boys. <laughs> but um, yeah, we all got along like a house on fire, and yeah, done these big missions out to this Hannibal Bank area each day, and. Yeah, I've seen some yeah, really big fish. Hey Shrek, Jeremy here, man. I'm back. I just wanted to say the podcast is growing from strength to strength, my friend. Hoorah, man. I just wanted to also say thank you to your listeners for their uh, continued support, subscribing, reading, writing, and submitting kick-ass spearfishing adventures from all over the planet. Your listeners kick ass, and Shrek, my friend, so do you. All you guys, come check out the latest edition of Spearing Magazine at spearingmagazine.com. Jeremy out. Handmade spear guns from the USA, killshotspearguns.com, have made rugged, functional, simple spear guns utilizing the best components. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. Save $30 on any timber spear gun. Use the code NOOB. Visit killshotspearguns.com. What are your target species out there? Like, what? Why do people travel there? What are your kind of your big three, four species? It was mainly the yellowfin tuna. That's what we're going on that trip for. And um, yeah, um, hunting them. Um, you know, the occasional amberjack as well. And um, yeah, you get your wahoo floating through there as well. But I remember on, the, on one of the last days, I was with Sean, and um, we were just burly and burly, and had a probably 150 kilo black marlin just broadside us. But it's um, illegal to shoot uh, marlin in that area. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, we'll, I remember we were both looking at it and we were putting our gun at it and pretending to pull the trigger. But we just. <laughs> Is there a reason for that or like, do you understand it or? Um, I, I don't. I, I, um, but yeah, I was just always told never um, to shoot the marlin over there and on that coastline. I remember when I started spearing and I was reading like SDM magazines and. You know, there was there was footage quite often of marlins, you know, and like a lot of people were telling stories about them and they were a huge, like, special thing. Like a lot of people were just like that one special fish of a lifetime. And then the longer I spared, the more I read about them and learned about marlin as a species. And a lot of the time they're actually pretty sustainable. Like they are incredibly fast growing. You know, again, they're not a species that's commercially harvested. They do seem to have a strange spawning seasons and stuff, but – at times and in certain places, they also seem pretty prolific as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. So in Panama as well, what's the big mangrove jack type um, species they have there? Was that the same area? That, yeah. Zipago. 
Yeah. So Yapago, yeah, they're they're the same area. So we they're a pretty prized fish. Um, the area we were diving in was kind of a bit more pelagic, so that's where we had your you know mostly yellowfin tuna. But we did end up diving some coastal areas uh, later on, and there was some big pargo. Well, there was a big. I got one pretty solid hay trap. Was it eighteen kilos or something? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was Santa Catalina. I That's think it. that was, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, we uh, found a local guy, little fisherman, and he took us out to a little bommy. And um, I remember, like, the first two dives were just littered with these huge Kibera snappers. Mm. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a big fish. I'd, it'd, it'd hold up in about 30 metres, and I don't think – I couldn't get it out. You got yeah. it out, Travi. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a big breathe up, and you held that um, – because it was on a real gun too. Yeah. So you held that line nice and tight, and I just tucked my head and – I wasn't going to pull it up until I got to the end of that um, shooting line. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to commit. Good but, um, yeah, it was it was right up the back of the cave, and um, yeah, got him out, and he was a good fish that one. One of the other things I got out of the film was like I was watching it, and I was thinking, shit, these guys spend a lot of money, <laughs> like just travelling and like a lot of time oh, yeah. research. Like obviously you made a lot of contacts and stuff like that, but what what is a trip to Panama or um, even Mexico? What, what what are you looking at like in terms of financial outlay from Australia or New Zealand? I'm still <laughs> trying to pay Andre back. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I can't even remember. It was it was a lot of money. Yeah, um, it's always you know a couple of thousand dollars into every trip we went, if not like more, maybe like far out. Just the yeah. travelling from Australia and then back again, you're probably looking at a couple of grand in flights and then you've got all your excess baggage because they've either got camera gear, yeah. spear fishing gear. There's a that? couple of hundred bucks in that, easy. And then you've got your travel interstate stuff. There's another, you know, 500 to $1,000 and then you've got your food and your accommodation and another 1000 and a charter. So you probably we probably were pushing to like five to six grand each time and that was kind of, you know, living in islands or get doing it pretty cheaply, really. But it's just the the, the pure cost of travelling, isn't it? And what about what about time away from work and stuff? Like, what was your average sort of like trip duration like? Did you because a lot it looked like you guys spent a fair bit of time out generally once you get, once you get there because the flights are done, you're island living, so it's not too expensive. But getting there is half the battle, isn't it? I was pretty lucky actually. I was actually commercial diving offshore, and I was working month on month off, so I had a whole month. Um, where I pretty much researched the areas where to go and how to get there and sort of almost travel agent for the boys and book flights and sort out where we had to go and accommodation and stuff. And then um, we'd, we'd always aim to get at least like 10 to two weeks, eh, hey, Travi? Yeah, it was, it was yeah, definitely two weeks plus, um, yeah. yeah, two to three. So I was, um, I was just subcontracting for a guy down here in Newcastle and Andre was always going on these trips and I was just so jealous. So... <laughs> I'm moving, moving down to Newcastle. That was the second time I moved down. And I remember I think I used to take all the spearfishing equipment and Andre used to take all the camera gear. So it was a good little balance. Mm. So, I mean, what were you doing for training to, to try and stay fit, Trev? It was mainly just um, I used just to do a lot of running. Yeah. I think mainly I just used to run, you know, just to get home from work and just go for a 5K run and then get back in and just do a little bit of boxing in the gym, you know, and those, um, those you know, those repetitive sets that we used to do in the gym, I used to try and make them the same 
time as my um, dives. So sort of make around that minute 30 to a two minute. So I'd, I'd go really hard and then I'd sort of train myself as a, like the fitness and stuff, as the same dive times and intervals, like surface interval. So I don't know if that done anything. Yeah, we okay. All right. But I guess like having good cardiovascular fitness, it does make a difference because, I mean, did you find like when you get into a trip after, after you haven't been diving for a month, like maybe day two or day three you started to hit your stride again or how, how did your um, your dive sort of fitness work out? Yeah, 100%. I reckon within the third or fourth, fourth day of diving, we were like at our peak, 100%. Yep. Is that still the same for you now, Andre? How's your, how's your free diving these days? Um, yeah, um, love it. I was sort of in about 18 metres of water a day, sitting on the bottom for maybe a minute or so, just listening to whales singing. Yeah, okay. Um, running my hands through the sand. But, no, nah, I'm pretty lucky. I'm, I'm in the water, you know, up to three to four times a week and I'm not doing that and boxing or doing jiu-jitsu or running around like a monkey kind of thing. Another jiu-jitsu, man. What, uh, how long have you been doing jiu-jitsu? Uh, I've done mixed martial arts mostly over the last sort of um, – oh, I used to do it a lot when I was younger, but sort of jiu-jitsu has been off and on now for like the last uh, uh, few years. But I did mixed martial arts off and on for like the last for like 10, 12 years or something like that. Any any crossovers, parallels with spearing? Um, definitely for your cardiovascular like um, – Fitness training, definitely. Like, you know, if you get your good fitness up, you can just swim all day because it keeps you out there all day without getting too tired. And then I'm sure you'll have good, better recovery rates with your breath hold stuff. So you, you go down, you dive, you're burning oxygen, you'll come up, you'll probably recover quicker than if you weren't, if you're unfit. I remember, like, I only started jujitsu like two years ago, and I'm very much like, I'm like nearly 40. I've got no aspirations of going in a comp. I need, do it really for work and because of Joe Rogan mm. podcast, um, <laughs> but uh, but I love it. And but one of the thing, good, yeah. one of the things I relate to is like you know you get like some hundred and twenty kilo oompa loompa on top of you, and they're, they're doing your knee ride or something dirty, and that you know like that you know like they're just maintaining you know, and you you got you can't get your breath back, and yeah. uh, just that that struggle of just like one thing I related to is just being able to relax under pressure and then try and figure your way out, even though a lot of people would be panicking in the same situation. Yeah, definitely. I think it actually a few things I think has helped me the other way around from free diving to jujitsu is I've had some, yeah, pretty good chokes where I haven't tapped because some people tap because they panic and they can't breathe straight away and they just tap. But I've gone through heaps where I haven't tapped and I've managed to get out again where I probably, yeah, like pretty close to blacking out, but I got out. Yeah, well, let's be honest. Like most of the time, when you put anything on in jujitsu, the other person's got enough savvy to like make it so that you never quite get it on perfect. And then, <laughs> so a lot of the time, you're just trying to brute force a finish on it. And I, I can relate to that. So, well, that's all. That's my whole game, anyway. To be honest, <laughs> there you go. I'm just a typical nah. overweight white belt. Nah, it's awesome, mate. Yeah. Get into it. It's great. Um, I guess on another level. Uh, I wanted to chat about Pete Coriel because he's obviously a fairly good mate of your guys. So, Trav, I mean, I'd love to hear about what, what's Pete like. He's still guiding, isn't he? Yeah, as, as far as I know, mate, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I've been out of the game for quite a, lot, a while now. And, you know, it's probably been three years since I've spoken to him. But the, the Pete that I know, he was full of energy and just loved um, being a guide, I reckon. You know, he just loved getting people on the boat and, 
he worked that hard to get us onto some really good fish there in Panama. COVID's kind of changed the game, hasn't it, for a lot of these guys? Like you don't even know. Like Chris Coates is the same. I look at, I look at Jager Crossingham over there in Fiji. He's another mate of your guys. Like some of these guys, I'm wondering how they're still um, eking out a living. Like you know, with the, especially just even with the reaction of COVID, like travels shut down. Like if anything, it's it's very quiet. You'd imagine for these guys. So yeah, I think, I think yeah, the whole world and and tourism in general is is yeah suffering at the moment. Mm. It's actually crazy up here in Exmouth, like because WA has been pretty lucky, I suppose, and everyone can travel, like, and no one can go overseas. So all your localized tourism's just been nuts. Like it's been crazy here. Has um has Youngblood had anything to do with it, Andre? Nah, not at all. Um, he's been doing that for a long time, but I think it's more involved with just people can't go to Indo or you know for. 200 bucks and go and drink pina coladas on the beach. So they come up here and they've actually come up here and gone, holy crap, this is actually off the Richter. They love it. They obviously haven't been here for summer where it's 45 degrees and you've got flies going up your nose and in your mouth yet. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they, it's, it is beautiful and stunning place and it's um, pretty magical. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just the COVID. No one can travel overseas, so they're just doing their local stuff. Yeah, in some ways I guess it's a good thing then. Local mm. tourism operators and stuff. You guys have got some amazing stuff there off Exmouth too. Like there's uh like I, I remember chatting with uh with Michael Troppiano. Like I don't know if you know him. Yeah, uh, I know Troppy. Yeah, yeah, he's a mad dude. But like he was telling he me, like, awesome. you, you can swim off the beach there, and there's blue whales at, at certain times of the year and crazy stuff like that. Yeah, it can be pretty wild for sure. Um, yeah, you can just have like there's you get killer whales coming up the coast predating on you know, the, the calves of the humpies at the moment and we've had blue whales pretty close to shore and, yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I love it here. If your buddy had a blackout on your next beer fishing trip, think, what would the outcome of that be? Do you know how to revive someone from a blackout? Would you even be in a position to do something about it? Or would you be diving, chasing after a fish as your buddy sinks down to the bottom of the ocean? Do you know where most blackouts happen? Do you know what you can do to minimize your risk of having a blackout? My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of freedivingsafety.com. In my free online course, you will learn the truth about shallow water blackout, the myth of, I don't push myself, I know my limits, I'm in tune with my body, how to minimize your risk of having a blackout, and most importantly, how to save your buddy's life if they have one. Visit freedivingsafety.com to sign up for your free course today. Dive safe out there. It's, It's not even that hard. Lobster bags, cray loops, gauges, accessories made by Spiros for Spiros. Check it out at oldmanblue.com.au. Equipment made to last. When travel does open up, you did mention uh, Indo, like Bali uh, and some of the outer islands. Um, A big section of the movie is about Indo and you guys had a lot of success there, like it's pretty hectic diving from what I've seen. Like um, mm. you guys sort of talk about it a bit, like uh, whirlpools, down currents, thermoclines, nasty viz, like everyone thinks it's going to be like they're going to be spoiled and sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. Tell us a little bit about um, Indo diving. Freezing cold. Really? Yeah, it can be freezing cold as well. What, what do you mean? Like you get in the water and you're expecting like what, 25 degrees and it's like how, how cold is it? Yeah, you remember that, Travis? So like you can – can be warm on the surface, like you've got um, 
you know, you can wear baldies or something if you wanted to. Then you go down about 10 metres through this thermal climb with all your down currents and it goes to like, it feels like it's like 18 degrees. It's like freezing. Yeah, yeah, really cold. And it had that mix of the hot and cold water mixing around together and you couldn't actually see through it. It was actually like you had 20 bin tanks. <laughs> Probably did. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a very very challenging experience diving Bali, and it took me a, a, a long time to um, for us to ever feel comfortable. I remember our first trip; we went over there with plenty of confidence, and we got the confidence from diving, you know, fifteen twenty meters here on the east coast of Australia. Um, went over there thinking that we and we knew what we were doing, but we we're very very far from this whole new level of spearfishing and mm. uh, that's what drew us back there every year, I, I guess. And, you know, that thought of um, shooting those big doggies in those conditions um, was a challenging task. Yeah, big time. It was scary. I remember always being nervous, heading around and just <coughs> nervous, just knowing that we're going to – it's so dangerous. What does that do for your freediving? Like I, I remember – like um, two years – well, uh, last year in March I got over to New Zealand and we jumped in. I had a brand-new wetsuit on and it was a little bit tight around the neck as sometimes ours, a five-mil suit, and we're diving in this big swell and surge coming off the islands. It was clean water, but there was a bit of current and stuff and it was like my free dive, my, I was like my heart rate was up and I just couldn't get it down and 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 I got a little bit of new equipment on and I just couldn't relax. And like I, all of a sudden I went from being – a half decent diver to, to being like just terrible. Like it was, was it the same sort of thing there in Indo. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it's those really tricky conditions that can play on your mind. Um, and yeah, I guess having the right people around you can sort of settle those nerves and get you in the right position in the right headspace to be able to take a dive, but also knowing there's someone on the surface. That's watching you. So it was 100% a team environment. Um, it was a team effort. And um, mm. we've done it with some great, great guys, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of people talk about with Dogtooth that you're looking for like converging currents, hitting structure and things like that. Like um, what did you guys find with that? Like what, what, what were you looking for when you went to Indo? Yeah, those current shifts are pretty important. And then hitting kind of like a structure on the seafloor. So – that's probably where you get those big mixes of currents and you get – sometimes you can have a current going north to south and you dive down 10 metres and the current, another current's going like east to west, like opposite. Like it's crazy. Like it's – you look up and your, your like float line's doing a zigzag and just going nuts everywhere. So that turbid water and the underwater structure where it's hitting and twirling around and holding bait fish around it, that's – they're your hotspots. So is this one of the reasons why you think there's so many decent dog tooth there because of that? Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah, for sure. That's, um, what do you think, Javi? Yeah, I, I do think they love those conditions and it's sort of, you know, they're the spots that we sort of pinpoint and, and, and try and find. But, you know, heading down, knowing that the fish are sort of 20 metres plus and um, as you're drifting onto the structure, having your ears suddenly pop like like you need to equalise and you're looking at your dive watch and you're stuck in a, da- a damn current, next thing, you know, you've got to abandon your spear gun and, and push to the surface. And, yeah, it's not good for your head, but, you know, <laughs> the reward at the end of it is um, to be able to land a fish, it, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, one of the big scenes I think is Andre shooting, like um, I think it was maybe your PB at the time, uh, a big dog tooth. Was that that location? Um, yeah, one of them over there. 
mate. It was yeah. There's some hectic footage there, but it looked like a good atmosphere too. Like, I guess some. I guess when you dive conditions like that with really good mates too, like when you get on board at the end of the day, like it's just celebration time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's great. It's great. We all survived. We've got fish to show for it. Let's have oh, some yeah. berries. Like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's I'm good for there. everyone, even like the the local guys with us. Like everyone's eating tonight. Everyone's eating for the next few days, you know, the whole village really. And it's just a hell buzz and we're all, you know, no matter whoever gets the fish, it doesn't matter. We're just happy for everyone. Yeah, that's sick. Sick. Yeah, I remember the first time I shot my the, my first big one. It was fifty four kilos, and um, I got back to the resort that night. We're there cooking it up, and I was there with Simon that day. That um, he helped me shoot it, and he brought out a, a bottle of Sailor Jerry. I said, "What's this for?" He said, "It's for when you shot your big one." He goes, "I brought this at duty free. You just never told me." So it was always a big celebration when we um, when we got onto a good fish like that. <laughs> That's your guys, mate. Is that Simon Ladder? Nah, Simon Fairburn. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Is he uh, was he a local guy around your area, or where's he from? Uh, we, we met Simon here in Newcastle, and um, I think Andre met him when he first went to New Caledonia. Yeah, righto. Yeah, yep. Yeah, good, good lad. Another, another oddball. <laughs> <laughs> another deep diver suffering the effects. Yeah, <laughs> it makes yeah. us, it makes us all understand each other and relate. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, I mean this this doco. It's filmed over a number of years, and there's a number of different sections. I, I talked about it earlier, but one of my favourite sections in it is the Catalina Island off SoCal there. And I mean, what a phenomenal area! Like um, those big kelp forests. Like if you if you come from like northern New South Wales, even Central Coast and further north, like we just haven't really seen that stuff. Like unless you've dived New Zealand or Tasmania and you've you've actually been in a kelp forest, it's a, it's it's another worldly experience. And like even the composition of the, the the shots and things like that, like it's just a it feels like you're on a different planet. Yeah, Catalina Islands is awesome. I pretty much flew from Australia summer, went bang straight to California winter and it jumped off the plane onto a boat and then we went to Catalina Islands that night diving for crayfish at night. Wow. It's freezing, but it was so pretty. Like, yeah. And then the next day we did some spearing through the day, getting some of their local fish, calico and a couple of other, maybe kingy. And you could be at 20 meters and you could see where this kelp is just like growing over the rock and just locked on its roots. All its roots are spreading over the rocks and, and held fast. And then you look up the kelp and you're just looking up into the light and it's just, it just goes all the way to the surface from 20 metres and then there's just a forest of it. You can just swim through it like you're swimming through a forest pretty much. It's it's awesome, amazing. Um, Trev, were you there for that trip? No, I didn't get there for that trip, no. So, But, um, yeah, I, I, do, I do watch the footage and, the song that I picked to go with that footage, it's just, um, it just makes it, doesn't it? Oh, 100%, yeah. Like, I was just, like, it makes me want to go there, you know. Like, I think one of the uh, the other things I really like about your documentary is it makes me hungry to travel and just to go and experience some of these, you know, like even the culture, the people you're with, the diving, it all adds up. Like, it's it's more than just spearfishing. It's like a full experience, you know. And, um, yeah, I, I, it, yeah, like I said, it makes me feel like travelling. <laughs> that's what it's all about sometimes they're not even worried if you don't get a fish you know we're like with these beautiful people in a beautiful location having the best time ever you know 
I guess the longer you've been spearing too, the less it becomes sometimes about the fish. It's like, yeah, I, I, I guess it's it's a freeing feeling too where you break out of that like I've got to shoot something mentality. Like there's a mm. there's a couple of things that happen in your mind and it's it feels nice when you switch gears, I think. Big time. I feel like all the fish just want to swim around you as well. Like even the, that trip over in New Caledonia, I didn't actually have a gun the whole trip pretty much. I had the camera. And it was the second last day and the guys just said, oh, you want to have a dive for a doggy? We hadn't really seen any. And I took a big breathe up. And just as I started to dive, I seen the big white diamond and everyone had a doggy. And I ended up landing the, the biggest fish of the trip. <laughs> but you just get rid of the gun and you just things start to like, you know, you start seeing different things and appreciating all the little things and it's cool. Cool. We can um – have have we got a have we got a destination where people can come and have a look at this film? Well, it's going to be online. Hey, Travi, we're gonna we're gonna link it up on Vimeo, and then are you thinking of doing an opening thing in town in Port Macquarie, Trav? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could always do like a premiere or something. Yeah, but um, yeah. At this stage, I think we're just looking at getting on Vimeo, and um, yeah, I think that's that's the plan of attack. I'm going, to have it, I'm going to have it linked up in today's show notes. So if people go to noobspiro.com forward slash a journey beneath, I'll have the full documentary linked up there. As soon as this podcast goes live, that 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 documentary, the full-length documentary will be live up on um, Vimeo. Uh, but if you go to noobspiro.com forward slash a journey beneath, um, that, that documentary will be will be there in these show notes. So check that out. But, um, yeah, awesome. Thanks, it's been a – it's a – it's been cool to be part of this journey. I mean, it's been a number of years. Like you guys must be excited about just finally launching the bloody thing. Yeah, yeah it is good. It, it definitely has been a process, and you know, there's been plenty of weekends where I've been back home with Sam and sat down with him and just gone through a few ideas, and he's shown me what he's thinking. And but um, to have you on board, Shrek, and have you narrate, I think it's just, it just really makes a DVD. Yeah, for sure. Mate, I enjoyed it. I um uh, I enjoyed it. It was a real honour to be part of it. Like I was stoked when you asked me. I was like, oh hell yeah! Like uh, at the time when you sent the thing to me, I was um still teaching English in China. So here I am with my mobile podcasting kit, trying to find somewhere quiet to record all these um, <laughs> these bits and pieces of audio, and then uh, sent it through. And then Sam's like, oh mate, these are perfect. This will be awesome. And you know, it felt good to to be part of it. And uh, it was kind of weird. Like when you work, when everyone works on something, it's kind of like you work on isolation. But then when you see the project, you're like, oh shit, it all makes sense. You know, like <laughs> yeah. that was kind of a weird part of it too. But yeah, no, nah, it's cool. Um, I really liked it. And obviously, like, you know, your guys' friendship has spanned a number of years and and um, it comes through loud and clear in the film. It's it's not just about shooting fish, that's for sure. And the soundtrack, the visuals, the the, the cultures and the, the different shots and stuff you guys have captured, I, I really like it. It's cool. Um, I guess the only problem with it is that there's so many different locations. At times it feels like, wow, we're the it's like Carmen San Diego. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> but it's like, holy shit, where are we going to next? Like, because um, you guys covered a lot of ground. So, yeah, I think there was actually enough footage there to make a second one. But you know, we just all tried to compact it into that one, that one film. How long? How long did the final cut end up being? Do you know? It was, last time I looked at it, it was around the forty-something minute mark. Yeah, I think forty-six minutes was the final cut. So. Um, I think in that 46 minute, it captures a lot and um, there's a lot of sections in there and good music um, and even Dre's cooking section there after Catalina. 
<laughs> I like that too. Cooking is such a huge part of it, eh? Oh, it's the best. I'll have a trailer linked up. If guys just want to, are curious about it, I, obviously it's going to be, you know, pay-per-view on Vimeo, but if people just want to have a look at some of the the, the shots and stuff like that, there'll be a trailer up at, uh, at newspirit.com forward slash your journey beneath. And then people will get an idea of what it's going to be like if they do choose to buy the film. But I, I would har- thoroughly recommend it. I'm biased because I narrated the thing. So, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was awesome to actually see all the footage there like it's been so many years and just to see the adventures we went on and the things we've seen and the people we met like it yeah we're really lucky hey it was awesome another big shout out to sam for doing such a great job we we had um because we were from port macquarie we had a lot of mates that were all professional bodyboarders so sam was following them around um taking all the instagram clips of them and so that's how we sort of got onto sam it wasn't straight yeah yeah no he's got some Serious skills. He's, yeah, we're lucky to have him on board, that's for sure. There's a few um, clever Spiros that have got into surfy, um, like color graders and editors, like um, David Ochoa. Like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with his work, but he he tagged in with uh, Richard Nascimento, I think. I, th- I think yeah, I'm pronouncing his name right. But he he did like a lot of Red Bull surf photography and that. And between the two of them, so sometimes collaborations really work. And I got that same feeling, that same sense out of what you guys had filmed and then what Sam had sort of put together as well. Like, there's a bit of synergy there. Like, um, Sometimes it's nice to have that non-straight Spiro perspective on things, I think. Yeah, awesome. I'd like to check his stuff out. Yeah, yeah, check it out. David Ochoa, massive, massive stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, if people want to check out this film, go to noobspiro.com forward slash A Journey Beneath and check it out. Um, let's uh, let's see how the reception it receives, guys. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the um, the feedback on the Noob Spiro community on Facebook. Awesome, mate. Thanks so much, buddy. Guys, if, uh, if we've piqued your interest today and you want to check out A Journey Beneath, come to noobspiro.com forward slash AJB. Noobspiro.com forward slash AJB. The trailer will be linked up. You can check it out, see what I'm talking about, see what we were frothing about today. It's a huge project and uh, it's, it's awesome to just be able to launch this thing because um, we've been working on this for a, a long, long time. And Trav and Dre, super cool blokes, as is Sam Rutherford, who spent all this time in the background editing away and making a super cool film. The soundtrack's popping. Like I said, the visuals are just absolutely magical. I love being part of this project, and I hope you check it out. Noobspero.com forward slash AJB. Thanks for Trav and Dre for joining me. Hey, we're off again next week. I'm hoping to get Hayden Quinn on. He's a Sydney Spiro slash ma- another master chef actually, and an all around cool bloke. I haven't managed to get him on the line yet. We're hoping to tee that up. Uh, but hey, join me back here. Remember, closure for the 99 Spiro recipe submissions is August 30. So go to noobspiro.com forward slash submit recipe to get your recipe in before the deadline. I want it in this book, Actionable Meals for the Everyday Diver, 99 Spiro Recipes. If you love the show, as usual, go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro. Consider becoming a patron listener. Reviews are always helpful. I absolutely love making this podcast, by the way. That's just a quiet out for me. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Today's Noob Spiro podcast is proudly brought to you in partnership with Adreno Spearfishing Supplies. For your next piece of spearfishing equipment, head to adreno.com.au. Flat rate shipping, Australia-wide, huge range of gear. Save $20 on every purchase over $200 when you use the code Noob Spiro. Better yet, drop into their Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne or Perth mega stores. Use the code Noob Spiro to save online or in-store. Check it out. 
adreno.com.au. Today's Noob Spirit podcast is brought to you by neptonics.com. For US divers, Neptonics is the one-stop shop for all of your spearfishing essentials. They've got free shipping on every order over $99. Now you can use the Noob10 code to save 10% off anything and everything store-wide. 10% off store-wide. Use the code Noob10 at neptonics.com. Boom. Boom. 